Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Charge Shot Gamescast. I am your host Ben, aka the Marvelous Siggy. No, we are not live, but we are coming to your living room or wherever you happen to be anyways. Joining me is our my good host Tyler and good friend Tyler. Tyler, welcome back buddy. Nice to be here in this audio format. This feels oddly familiar, like we've been doing this uh, for about a year now. Yes. Uh, so, just to give some heads up, we're not doing this live uh, because Justin had to take care of something, and uh, the, the time notice was a little bit short. Not his fault. Um, uh, basically, for me to set up how like the layout works, and I really don't know how transition works on 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 stream. So, uh, and like again, most of the audience was on his end. So, uh, it hopefully it'll, it'll it'll just be this week. Uh, you'll only get an audio version of the podcast. And then next week you'll have a of uh, or uh, you'll have both a video and an audio version as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, so this might be a shorter show, a way shorter show than what you guys are expecting. Um, we still have stuff to talk about, but uh, it just may be shorter than what you're used to. So just pa- uh, bear that in mind. Okay, Tyler, what have you been up to this week, my guy? Uh, I've been through a lot this week, actually. Uh, for one, I got started with The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, uh, the new, uh, Phoenix Wright game that just came out for us. It's been out a while in Japan, and it hasn't gotten a proper localization for the last five or six years, I think? But we finally got it, and, um, I am thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, unlike cert, uh, the other games that take place in the futuristic world past 2016... This game takes place during the Victorian era, where Japan and England just started brokering their alliance. The main character is an ancestor of Phoenix Wright, a university student named Ryunosuke Naruhodo, who in the first trial is accused of murdering an Englishman in a diner. And in case you're wondering, in the original Japanese version of these games, Phoenix Wright is known as Ryuichi Naruhodo, and all the other characters' names are localized as puns like Dick Gumshoe or Red White of Blue Corp. But this game doesn't even bother with that and translate the names as if they were originally intended as Japanese puns names, with Naruhodo more or less meaning, oh, I see. Anyway, Ryunosuke's best friend Kazuma volunteers to be his defense attorney, despite the profession being very new for Japan at the time, but he ends up defending himself after learning something about the case is fishy. Probably a mistake, since this dude is way too timid and scared to speak at first, but slowly but surely finds the ace attorney in him as the case progresses. Speaking of which, this first case is standard fare if you play the other games. You read through witness testimonies, press them for information, and present evidence that contradicts their statements. There's a firm but somewhat naive judge, the insufferable prosecutor that's no doubt an ancestor to Winston Payne, and the wacky witnesses with their own quirky personality gimmicks. Things start getting interesting when everyone says that the Englishman was dining alone before he was shot, but Ryunosuke recalls something, someone else was with him at the time. It's revealed through a private investigator posing as a waiter that the woman in question was not to be mentioned in this case, and the witnesses were told to keep silent. No doubt accusing an Englishwoman of murdering an Englishman on Japanese soil would tarnish the court's reputation and damage the new alliance, but they still pursue the truth despite the danger. The rest of the case goes on uh, well enough, with enough twists and turns you'd expect out of an ace attorney turnabout. Things start getting a bit more interesting in Chapter 2, when Kazuma is mysteriously murdered on a cruise ship to the United Kingdom, and Ryunosuke is convicted as the killer. 
This guy has the same bad luck as Cecil Harvey, I swear. It's here that we're introduced to the greatest detective of our time, Herlock Sholmes, whose deductions are so on point, one would misconstrue them as com complete nonsense. We're also introduced to a new feature called Sholmes Deductions, where he goes on a humorously over-the-top ramble on how he views the situation. You have to switch around specific keywords using evidence to make his speculations hit the mark, lest he goes off the rails and gets it wrong. Hey man, great detectives are human too. He just makes he still makes mistakes. This is kind of a, like the truth chain mechanic from the second game called Justice for All, and it's entertaining to see Ryunosuke join in on the fun. The third chapter has Ryunosuke and his naive assistant Susato touching down in London so he can be recognized as a lawyer in the most advanced part of the world. Right off the bat, they're given a murder case with very little information. And it's here that we see how English law differs from the Japanese style we've seen in the series thus far, to the point where it most, more closely resembles the U.S. court system that we're used to. The guilty and not guilty verdict is decided not just by the judge, but, but also by six jurors, and they draw their own conclusions as the case goes on. Also, if the defendant is guilty, they're sent to the gallows, so no pressure. Having no information about the murder, despite everything, Ryunosuke pulls the Ace Attorney bullshit that I would expect. Not only can you find contradictory statements between multiple witnesses, but also for the six jurors to dissuade them from leading from the guilty scale. This case so far is pretty interesting, as we learn as much as the two main characters do. Also, the prosecutor is a dead ringer for Dracula. He even throws a wine glass on the floor at one point. What is a man? A miserable pile of secrets. So yeah, I've, I've been enjoying uh, Ace Attorney Chronicles so far. And if you enjoy any of the other Ace Attorney games, then I definitely recommend it. Uh, it's bundled with uh, the original Ace Attorney trilogy on Switch, so... Really? Probably... Yeah, it's uh, 60 that... bucks. On Alone, it's 40 but uh, yeah, it's a pretty good deal, if you ask me. Wow. It's technically 5 for a uh, full 60 What more could you ask for, right? Yeah, that's crazy. I I figured in the pro I like I've seen this game promoted by Capcom a lot, but I only hear. I mean, granted, it is a big deal that alone that we're getting uh, Ace Attorney uh, by itself. I, I think maybe they don't say anything because they they maybe think only Ace Attorney fans are gonna buy this game. And um, but like, man, I now maybe I'll wait for a sale for the complete edition because I own uh, Ace Attorney trilogy on 3ds, but. You know, it's kind of hard to get turned on your 3DS sometimes nowadays. Yeah, right. Um, Ironically enough, I only turn it on to play the other Ace Attorney games that are available there, like Apollo Justice and the two 3DS games. But that's neither here nor there. I'll eventually get to those later on in the show. But Hopefully, with the success of this one, they'll consider porting the, those other games onto Switch so you can have all Ace Attorney on one console. They might even uh, translate the second uh, Miles Edgeworth game uh, since that never got over here. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it, it seems really cool. Uh, let me ask you this. As somebody who's only played the first Ace, of two Ater Ace Attorney games, and I never, I started the third one, never got really far into it, can you play this game even though you have no connection with Ace Attorney at all? Oh, yeah. Um, it plays very similarly to uh, the other games. Um uh, the only real difference uh, is the setting and the characters. Um, the main character is a, descend is a descendant of Phoenix Wright, or rather, uh, his uh, predecessor Ancest from a hundred years past. Ancestor, Ancestor. thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, other than uh, the main setting, um, the two 
Uh, he's pretty similar to Phoenix Wright, all things considered. Like, when he starts out, he's pretty much a nervous wreck, but he catches a stride uh, uh, pretty early on, and he pulls all the shenanigans that Phoenix Wright eventually pulls in his games. So you'll feel pretty at home when playing through Ace Attorney Chronicles. So yeah, uh, that, that isn't the only game I haven't been playing. I also started No More Heroes 2, Desperate Struggle, Ooh. since a few weeks after its recording, the third game is coming out. So what better way to celebrate than playing the second game for the first time? I feel like the first game is a modern classic, a hack and slash that satirizes the common tropes in video games. Ben and I finished it at the end of last fall, so it's still relatively fresh in my mind. I don't know about you. Uh, so yeah, I'm probably going to spoil this game a little bit. I don't know if you're going to tackle this game, so uh, I'll just go I'm in d- with uh, what I've gone through so far. Yeah, I want to because I, I did play Ace Attorney, not Ace Attorney, um, No More Heroes 1 earlier in the year when it first came out, and I really probably should have bought both of them, but I, I wasn't sure I was going to like it, and now I did, so... Um, yeah, I do plan on playing this game and the third one at some point. Oh, yeah. I will say right now, uh, No More Heroes 2 is a major improvement over the first game, uh, since it takes up a whole bunch of all the grindy stuff that you may or may not like. Uh, but I'm going to break it down real quick. Uh, the fir- This game takes place three years after the end of the first game, and the city of San- Santa Destroy has industrialized a lot since then. After becoming the number one ranked assassin, even though it was an elaborate scam, Travis Touchdown disappeared, becoming a myth to aspiring killers. Since the success of No More Heroes 1, in both the real world and in game's continuity, there's a 51 ranked assassins this time, with the fake association becoming a realized company. And the tutorial begins with Travis facing off against number 51, Skelter Helter, the brother of the first dude Travis fought in the first game's opening who is named Helter Skelter. Uh, the gameplay is very similar to before. You use high and low attacks your beam katana, punch or kick for combo extensions, dodge and recharge your katana by masturbating. You can send opponents and grab them for wrestling submissions, though Travis seems to have forgotten all the moves he learned before, but I'm pretty sure he learns them as the game goes on. He beheads Skelter Helter, and the con artist Sylvia shows up in, as usual to inform Travis that he's qualified for the official ranked fights again as well as berate his appearance, as she does. She also incentivizes Travis with the promise of a quote-unquote five-course meal if he becomes number one. And being the pervert he is, that's motiv- motivation enough for the original shrimp. However, Skelter is somehow still alive, despite his head being disconnected from his torso, and he says that his death is a part of a bigger plan. We then see the video store guy from the first game being shot to death by shooters, reminding me of the opening of Banjo-Tooie. Sylvia explains that the possible culprit is the number one ranked guy, the curator of Santa Destroy's industry, and the owner of Pizza Bat, the pizza chain that you probably remember from the first game being called Pizza Butt. The first proper level is the hotel, where you maul tons of mooks as you go higher. When you drain your health, you tilt the right Joy-Con in one of four directions, or flick the right stick to finish them. After killing, after each kill move, the slot machine goes off, and if all three slots match, Travis gains a different power-up for a short time. The most common one I got was the one that shoots fireballs that are one-hit kills. Uh, at the end is number 50, Nathan Copeland. He's a hip-hop enthusiast who fights by shooting missiles out of his boombox and attaching it to his arms like gauntlets. That it sounds hilarious. 
it is hilarious. But what isn't hilarious is the fight itself. It's pretty annoying since he shoots the missiles uh, when the distance between you is far enough, and blocking them drains a bunch of your beam katana's energy. Also, he triggers all sorts of traps as the fight goes on, like miniguns on the statues, dropping a chandelier in the middle of the area, and carpets that move both you and the both of you around. This fight is obnoxious since the whole gimmick is pretty much zoning you out, but it's pretty easy when you get close. He's dead, and now I'm ranked number 50. I should also probably mention that there's no open world map in this game, so going to specific destinations takes way less time than it did before. That was something that I wasn't a huge fan of in No More Heroes 1, since driving around aimlessly in the Schlepper Tiger padded the game out more than necessary, so I'm glad they trimmed the fat here. And speaking of trimming the fat, you can walk around in uh, Travis's motel room and uh, spend time with his cat, John. She got, su- she got super fat since the last game, and you can partake in minigames to make her lose weight. You can make her jump high and pounce at a string toy, roll her around like pizza dough, and feed her different types of cat food using money you earn from assassinations and side missions. There's also another minigame that you can play called Bizarre Jelly 5, a top-down bullet-hell mini-shooter starring anime girls. As far as I'm aware, it's just a cute little distraction to break up the main game. So, if you enjoy those types of games, go nuts! I also recently defeated number 49 to 25 at once, uh, which is a football jockey and his legion of cheerleaders that form into a giant robot. Fortunately, Travis also has a giant robot, thanks to the weapons upgrader Naomi, whose assets have gotten buffed since No More Heroes 1. I also defeated an undead child serial murderer and an incarcerated lady that spits poison like Asuka from wrestling. So far, it's the same No More Heroes I enjoyed before, but with several quality of life changes to make the experience a little less tedious. For me, rank battles don't... For example, rank battles don't cost money anymore, so you don't have to grind odd jobs to progress the story. And odd jobs themselves, uh, they're all pretty much uh, hearkened... uh, 8-bit minigames uh, this time around. So, See, uh, I didn't mind the odd jobs, most of them, because they were... I thought they were fun. I Like, I thought... And it, it didn't take a long... At least for me, it didn't take a long time for it to, like, get the money. But I, like, like the whole... Like, riding the bike over the ramp, or doing the uh, the lawn mowing one. Like, it, they were... They were like, maybe on the original Wii they were a problem, but maybe it's because I could play the game anywhere on Switch. I didn't have a problem with it too much. Yeah, it's just at the end game where it kind of becomes a problem because uh, the last few rank fights are stupid expensive. Couple with the fact that uh, you also have to buy your uh, extended beam katanas uh, just so you can make uh, the last few boss fights a bit more bearable. And yeah. I'm pretty sure Ben has mentioned the uh, number one rank fight of the first game already, <laughs> as well as the Henry fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think I remember more, being more traumatized by the Henry fight more than anything else. Uh, for me, it was the fight against John uh, that was a bit harder. Uh, when I fought against Henry, I beat him on the first try. So, yeah, I think I told the story before. Uh, probably on stream, not on here. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Travis is still a prefer- perverted badass goofball who lives for the thrill of battle, but his friend's death does motivate him, motivate him to uh, climb the higher one. So it's nice to see his character fleshed out a little. He even has a great line uh, right before he fights uh, uh, in his second rake fight, where he says, Some people have different ways of coping. Some people fuck at funerals. 
I cut people's heads off. And I thought that was a pretty funny line. <laughs> and yeah, uh, the only other game I played so far is a bit more of the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster. Not a whole lot of it, honestly. I did get through the obnoxious Magma Cave and restored the Fire Crystal. And all oh, it yeah. cost me was all my high potions and a butt ton of antidotes. Oh, so, man, uh, but... yeah. I'm about Even in the PSP the so far. Even in the PSP version of that game, that area sucks. It's just because like, you have to take fire damage. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. But I did get through it. Uh, I just had to listen to a whole bunch of podcasts to make the whole experience a bit more bearable. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Okay, thank you. That's awesome. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to the Pixel Remasters of 5 and 6, specifically. Maybe not necessarily 4, but... Uh, I'm really looking forward to those. I'm glad you're having a good time with the first one, and I'm really here. I'm really curious what your thoughts are whenever you start the second one. Um, oh God! <laughs> if all I right. Start the uh, second one. So uh, I haven't really been playing uh, too much, but I will highlight this uh, game uh, that Thomas and I played, and it's called The Ascent. It's on Game Pass, and I had seen like it coming soon on both Game Pass PC and Game Pass uh, Xbox for quite a while. Didn't know what it was, but a couple people I follow on social media were kind of talking about it. I'm like, hmm, what kind of... And, like, I never saw any screenshots. I never saw reviews. Didn't see anything out of the sort. And I was I, I was confused on what it was. And then uh, Thomas apparently had tried it already. And it is basically a uh, Diablo game, but cyberpunk um, and it's it's really cool. Uh, I'm not really one for Diablo. Uh, never played it, and at this point, Same. never will. Um, but it's number one. Uh, before I get to the problems with the game, it had its visual style. It's the level of detail in this. Uh, oh, like I, I guess isometric is the word I'm looking for. Uh, looking game is phenomenal, and it just it looks like oh, like it looks so gorgeous. Um, but basically, you play as like a, like a like a young hacker who's basically trying to break their way to this to this city. Uh, there is a tutorial level you could play. You could play it online with friends or couch co-op stuff like that. So if you love that old school play, uh, and it's basically uh, a combat is basically a twin stick shooter kind of thing. So you move with your left stick and then you and you uh, aim. You shoot with ZR, but you don't have to aim properly. You pretty much just aim a direction. If you press ZL or um, LB, whatever LT. It'll let you. It'll allow you to aim up, but it, it like you're you're constantly moving. You don't have to stop and move to do um, to shoot. It felt very very fun, uh, and you can switch weapon. You get different weapons. There's different upgrades. Uh, so we, me and Thomas, have literally barely played the intro level, and what I played was already amazing. The problem with this game, though, is its performance is not well optimized. Um, at least on. P- at least on Xbox One, and I think Thomas said he was playing this on PC. Uh, it wasn't really the best. The load times were probably the worst load times I've seen in a video game in a while for me personally. Um, and uh, and uh, Thomas was playing this on his Series X, so like it's not just the power matter of the fact that I'm using a less powerful console. Um, but like there was a point where the screen just went black for a couple minutes. I could hear music and I thought the game crashed, but it just finally loaded in. Uh, after you complete the tutorial mission, it basically leads you to the city, which is you know sort of this where you're gonna do. You, you, it assumes is gonna be your hub, but literally for me, 
it loaded in everything so slowly. So all first it was just me and Thomas, and we were just over a black pit. He didn't see what I was seeing, um, and then all of a sudden we saw like people were starting to pop in, and like all of a sudden like a uh, cars were flying at the bottom. I'm like what? What's going on? And my character is moving by itself until like maybe a minute or two. It felt like a lot longer, honestly. Uh, it um. <sighs> Everything loaded in, and once it loaded in, uh, the performance was pretty much fine. There were a couple of hiccups uh, when Tom and Thomas and I were playing, where like I looked like I was teleporting, and uh, and he looked like he was teleporting, but that didn't really happen too often. So once the game gets in there, it looks like it's stable. It's just that it looks like there's a problem with it once trying just trying to load into the game, um, and wow. it's it's a bit rough. But once you get past that. Like it's it was really fun and I'm uh, like I was I I was looking like like as much as I like playing uh, Monster Hunter with Thomas, you know I was thinking like we need to find some other game we could play because uh, like Monster Hunter's fine and all but I don't want to get burned out on the game and I think we found it and I will happily it seems like from what I understand like the de- this is like a, a huge ambitious project from the developers I think it is indie develop indie developed and like this is ambitious for them but like I can. Like, it, as long as, like, okay, I'll tolerate the load times if, like, the game is fun, and so far the game is fun. I can't really speak too much on it. I don't know. Again, I can't compare it to um, Diablo because I have no experience with it, but just as its own game, I thought its art direction was amazing, and I thought the, the battle system feels pretty good. It's just, I really hope they plan to address the, the very bad load times. I'm going to try it on my PC and see if it works better, but uh, if not, I'm definitely going to lean towards... Uh, uh, if it doesn't, then you know maybe it's just a problem with the with the console, not the console, but the system overall, the game overall. Um, but we'll see. Um, besides that, I planned to play Blaster Master Zero Three. That didn't happen. I just didn't have the energy to play it. Start a new game. Uh, I am I was having actually a report- thinking of playing the first one uh, one of these days because I saw the uh, Brain Scratch playthrough of uh, Blaster Master Th- uh, Zero Three, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, they're all great. Um, they're really, like they're they're like ten bucks. The first two are like ten bucks each, I think, and like the next the third one's like fifteen dollars. Um, and then they're coming out with a physical cart for like sixty, I think. Um, and then it's I don't I don't know if it includes like extras and stuff like that. Uh, it probably includes like all the deal because there there was like DLC where you could play as other characters in the game and from other franchises. Um, I think Shadow Double Knight are in the first one, right? Yes, and the second one they uh, integrate use their own characters. Um, like Gun Vault and somebody from like a, I guess an action RPG that they do or that they did rather, uh, but I didn't get to play it. Um, so hopefully this week I'll I'll put some time into it. Uh, and I say that because like I'm pretty much at the tail end of Skyward Sword. Uh, I will say I got to the point where you um, you rescue you meet Zelda again. She pretty much tells you like what's going on and the fact that she's the goddess Hylia reincarnated. You know all that good jazz. And then I feel like this is the point in the game where it gets, it kind of like gets, like this, this section of the game is the most padded out to me where, um, okay, you got the Master Sword, you went through these cool, awesome dungeons, you know, I thought the dungeons you go through in, in like, to get the, uh, the flame, the the flames to increase the, to make the Master Sword, I thought that was all really cool. But then you have to find, you have to, I mean, like. You have to go wake, find Leviathan or Levalos, Le- Le- I think, this big whale creature. And that is still remarkably cool to see him, like, coming out of nowhere and flying. It's just this big sky whale. Um, but then the game basically makes you 
uh, have to go back to the areas again to f- get to new areas, or in, in Farron Wood's case, basically a, a flooded version of the area. And you have to find the song, like the like these other dragons that you that uh, that you uh, live in these areas, and they have to give you the their lyrics to the song of the hero, so they can you can finally. Um, Oh God! So you can find you can find the place for the Triforce. You you can access the entrance towards it, and I just felt like this is all unnecessary. Like it really is. Um, yeah. Like it just it just because it's not like they're new dungeons you have to go through. Um, Farron Woods is the is the like so Farron Woods basically the water dragon of that area floods the entire area, and so in order to basically to get the part part of the song or it's part of the song you have to uh it this says i'm going to test you cuz i can't just give you the song even though you've already you know rescued her from being in this like her like she was in like a, a like a shell containment thing so even though that i'm still going to have to test you and i'm going to put i'm going to make you chase after these tadpoles and you have to find these tadpoles that are all over the water um and it's like it's not the hardest thing in the world it's just like it's just obnoxious, um, you know. Like occasionally, there's these like torpedo sharks that come after you, but they're fine. They're easy enough to dealt with. They're not going to, um, not going to cause that much harm or anything. But ultimately, it just felt like a waste of time. It just felt like a waste of time. And then I, I the uh, the the uh, Elden Volcano section is kind of fun, but you're just retreading the area, just more like in a different way and basically what happens is as you descend from Elden Volcano uh, into Elden Volcano an explosion happens because the dragon wakes up and that basically makes you lose all your items and you're captured by the uh, by uh, the, the, the Dark Lords for like the evil forces and you have all your weapons taken away so you have to scour uh, the entire section you have to scour the entire map to get all your weapons back um, and Luckily, they mark your weapons or where they're at um, to tell you this one's this one. But you kind of have to do it in a specific order. Otherwise, you can't access a new area. So, you know, it's not you, you can only go down one pathway. It it just didn't feel, like, meaningful. It's just like, okay, I did it. You, like, these guys happen to be here. It's set up, you know. Uh, like, it, it basically, it, it's basically the stealth section of the game. And it's not bad. It feels a little overstated. It's welcome, but it's not. It's not a terrible, terrible section. But it just felt padded. The last one, though, I thought was kind of fun, um, which is in Lanaru Desert, and you meet the Thunder Dragon, um, who he's basically dying, or he's sick, and it looks like he's dying, and he needs a fr- like first you have to wake him up. But I thought this was pretty cool that you, you basically follow this minecart. Uh, that goes from one side to the other, and you basically have to keep up with it um, by like either fighting enemies or like making sure you're like you use the hook shot to get to this one particular stalagmite before like the time before the the the, the time stone moves past it because otherwise it becomes the the hook shot point becomes null and void because I guess because it comes rusted over like that that part is okay um, it's uh, it's but. My underlying problem was that it's like you could have cut all of that from the game and it would have been much better because then you could have been like, okay, you have the sword. Maybe you do one other thing to like maybe I would say maybe you shrink it down and because like you still have to find access to the final dungeon, right? So like I w- I don't even know if like you would have me revisit all those areas again. Maybe ha- like I would have had it something in the sky 
or something like you find like this hidden island in the sky that has like you have to go through that dungeon like it's like a mini dungeon or something to get the key to enter the true final dungeon to get the triforce going back to these three areas again oh, it just feels like i just wasted my time I'm like like it's like a modern siren's quest i guess yeah I mean, I won't lie. It is pretty cool when you when you get the the songs pieces all together, and it's basically the Legend of Zelda theme. It's basically that, which is really cool because it's whales, you know, these dragons and this whale singing it. So that part is really cool. But getting to that part, I don't think is worth it. I just. And, and, and it kills the momentum because you have this moment, you have really cool dungeons all back to back to back. You had the the uh, Ancient Cistern, the Pirate Ship, and then the, uh, the the Volcano Dungeon, which I can't remember its name. But like, all very cool and aesthetic pleasing dungeons. And then the game kind of like, gr- like, I wouldn't say grinds to a halt, but it just feels like... It just you're, meanders. Like, it just meanders at this point. Um, and I, the last thing I did before, uh, uh, before I, I, like, ate my dinner was I did the Silent Realm for Skyloft, so I'm literally at the last dungeon. So, uh, yeah, a part of me says just pull, push through it and beat the game, get it over with. Um, uh, but who knows, if, uh, I may put it, I may put Sky, Skyward Sword down just for a bit, just to play something else. Um, yeah, I mean, I, li- I, I still like the game, but I just feel like this part would definitely like I think even back when I played it initially in 2011 and then when I did my let's play of it like four or five years ago now I think this part along with the gratitude crystal side quest exhausted the hell out of me I'm like oh my god like why why am I doing this this is so stupid yeah, I think that that specific part uh of the game was where I stopped when the game first came out because uh, I do remember going back to uh, a lot of those uh previous areas uh pretty early on after I literally just beat them and uh, all the giant monster fights uh, pretty much exhaust me to the point where like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, because like, I mean, like at least when you go back the second time, you gain access to a new area, like the the Lanayru Sea, or the the the, the, the deeper edges of the volcano, or the uh, or the or the or the, uh, the the lake bed temple, or whatever. Like, like that's part. Okay, that's a new area to explore. Outside of Lanayru Desert, which that's the only part, only se- dragon section, or that you that's a new area. Everything else is just basically the same area, but there's a there's a stipulation to getting the song, and like that's an, and I'm like I, I did this like I've been here, and I'm not even because compl- I think the areas are nice to design. It's just like why why did it have to be why did I have to go all for three? You know, it just yeah, it just felt like they felt like maybe they thought the game was too short. At this point, um, but ugh, I didn't. I, I wasn't feel like a fan every of this. Zelda game has that point that kind of meanders a bit. Uh, I, that feels like I don't. Case, right? I don't think Ocarina of Time does. I don't think. I mean, uh, I don't think Ocarina of Time does specifically, but I feel like Twilight Princess did that at one point. May yeah, you're probably right. Wind Waker definitely has that with the tingle, you know, having to buy the uh, the maps. I know Wind Waker HD kind of oh, fixes yeah. that. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just agreeing with you. Wind Waker is probably the most egregious example. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just, it's just Zelda tradition at this point. Um, you know, who knows? But 
I'm still enjoying the game, but I definitely, like, I'm exhausted. It was kind of, even after today, I was like, I'm kind of exhausted. I kind of don't want to play right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, besides that, I did play more Chris Tales. Um, I officially made it to another area, like this sort of volcano area. Um, I Did I talk about, Tyler, that you get two new party members in this area last week? I don't know if I talk, if I got there at this point in Chris Tales. If you did, I don't remember. Okay, so I I I'm, I beat the uh, uh this like snow area, which is a pretty fun boss. Like I remember, the funny thing about Chris Tales is that like, oh, it's a hard RPG, and like, and yes, it is if you're not paying attention. But like this, the boss in the second town that you visit, I think it's the second town. Yeah, it's the second town. Um, like I like I watched it. Like I didn't even have to try. Like I was I kept thinking of this intricate strategy, and I'm like, no, I just whacked it a few times and it was dead, um, <laughs> which is which is fine with me. Um, but like uh, afterwards, um, you go to uh, a place of north, and it's part of the I guess the country. It's part of this place called Cinder, and this place I think they're like supposed to be Cinder. goat people. Yeah, they have they go people. They have like they live inside of a of a volcano, which is all kinds of crazy, and um, and so and apparently like the the town is is suffering from this thing called glass lung, which is like they I guess they get it from inhaling like all the ash coming from the like this forge or something. It's it's a little it's strange. Like the glass lung pop. It's not very it's, well ventilated down there. Exactly. Um, and uh, it, it, once you enter the town, the first bosses you actually fight in the game are there. And they're seemingly curing glass lung or they're giving medicine to the people. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold up. Why are they helping people? This is weird. And um, uh, unfortunately, one of your party members uh, gets glass lung. And uh, uh, it takes out uh, uh, Christopher and, and Wilhelm. Those have been your party members up until now. So be in replacement of that, uh, you do get a new party member who's like this cool robot that they called... Uh, it looks like his name is... Like you can pronounce it as Joker, but they just call him K for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe they don't call him Joker because uh, they don't want to like a confuse... Like, like, oh, it's a Persona 5 reference. Like, no, it's just... Either that it, or they don't want to confuse with a K-Dash from King of Fighters. Yeah, so they just call him K. Um, and so, like, he's a robot, and he's actually really cool because he has, like, a cooldown system he has to work with. Um, he can use a couple of, like... So far, he only has electrical magic attacks. I don't know if he has any other elemental damage. Um, but he's he's pretty cool overall when trying to manage, like, the, the, the cooling system. But then you get this other character who, basically, her gimmick is uh, that she... Everything every magic everything she tucks she attacks is out of this purse and it's all random. Um, so if you use like a uh, like her her special skills like she, she can do random either fire lightning earth or water magic, uh, and she basically pulls out like a like a wheel of fortune wheel and she spins it and you have to press A and then whatever it lands on it'll do the corresponding damage. Um, but if you use Chris Bell's time ability. You basically chuck it, and it'll become a different thing altogether depending on the time period it's in, which is, I think that's pretty neat. Um, and, like, it's it's not my favorite, because it's her, basically, her moveset is based just on RNG, but her base attack, where she just chucks, like, a, it's usually a hammer. I don't know if anything else appears. Um, that part is pretty fun, because it does a lot of damage, and some of them can do poison, and, like, I have her equipped, like, a like a poison charm, so it'll there's a chance it'll do poison damage. Uh, so that definitely helped. Um, uh, 
Yeah, and I just beat the, the this boss, uh, the boss in there, which is basically the first boss you you first meet. Except this time, you can't manipulate time to like lower their defense, like to rust their armor. So you have to beat them the old-fashioned way, and it was basically a war of attrition, uh, if anything, and it was kind of exhausting. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Um, but eventually, I did. Eventually, like I, I I actually died to it once. It was the first boss I died to since starting the game. So I feel pretty proud of myself that I managed to get that far, and it, it was the first boss that I died to. But then the second time around, I had a better uh, judgment, and I was able to, to basically clean through it no matter what. The power of hindsight. Exactly. So now I'm at the point where um, uh, I'm at the point where like uh, basically where uh, we find this professor uh, who ha- may have a cure for glass lung, but. They don't have enough to make to make enough concoctions for everybody, so now it's basically us trying to solve that problem. So I still enjoy the game. I still recommend anybody playing it. And it's a little hard in the first couple hours, but grind just a little bit and you'll be fine. Like I'm not even saying like a lot. Like grind like a little bit. Like I was um, level twenty four, level twenty five, and the enemies are fighting were level twenty seven, and I was like basically murking them like they were nothing. Well, I mean, I grind in RPGs anyway, so you don't have to tell me. Right, but you know, some people are like I don't want to grind, I don't want to be tedious, and I'm one of those people. But like, I did it for a bit. I grinded up two levels, and everything was fine. Also, pay attention in battle, you know. Yes. Don't be oh. dumb. All right. Uh, I think that's it for me. I didn't really have anything else to play, so um, we're gonna take a quick break, uh, like we normally do, because I want to try to keep this as normal as possible. And when we come back, we will be talking about the news in gaming. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Charge of the Games cast. It's time for our new segment of the show, and we're going to kick it off with something uh, a little interesting. Um, this is about a McDonald's-styled PS5 controller. What? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. Um, I'm so, not. this is uh, Curse of Kotaku. Uh, this is uh, Sony Stops... McDonald's from giving away a PS5 controller. Uh, as of last week, McDonald's Australia had been planning on giving away a bunch of custom PS5 controllers, each plastered with burgers and fries motif in celebration of the company's 50th birthday in Australia. Weirdly, the international dining behemoth forgot to ask Sony about this first. You'd think they would have gotten... Yeah. You think this would have been the first thing the company with an actual legal team would have thought to do if they were mentioning PlayStation 5 and using a controller as part of your mar- own marketing? But nope, McDonald's just straight up announcing it, plans to give away the controllers as well as part of a competition along with sending out some to local streamers as well. As this game before going further, the thing is so garishly. Uh, this is the, the, the uh, author saying this, that they love it a lot. And it, uh, the link is in our podcast description, but PS5 controller. But there's, you can see the Big Mac on the bottom right. It's like split down the middle, like not even down the middle. It's like at a weird like angle where like half of it is red and the other half is white. The buttons are all McDonald's fries yellow. Um, and then on the left side you have um, the the McDonald's like the in, in their fries basket usually. As Sony caught wind of the giveaway, they stepped up and blocked it. McDonald's having quickly to send up a follow-up announcement that said, Unfortunately, McDonald's uh, stream week has been postponed and won't be giving going ahead this Sunday. We are able to confirm the new date for the proposed event this time. We will have some great prices, including Maka's 
uh, 50th birthday hoodies and 50 channel subscriptions for each streamer to give away. We will be in contact with new timing as soon as we have confirmed it. Sony PlayStation has not authorized the use of its controller and promotional materials released to the produce uh, uh, related to uh, proposed stream week, and we apologize for any inconvenience caused. McDonald's stream week has been postponed, and Sony PlayStation Stores will not be included in the giveaway. So this is odd. Yeah, it is. Uh, I did not even think that there was a official, unofficial PS5 McDonald's controller. Would you buy this like, thing? Uh, probably not. It's not my style, but I would probably have it uh, just to have like for a guest or something. But uh, for like personal use, I don't see myself uh, playing games on this thing. It's just so ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm boggled that they didn't think like, oh yeah, Sony will be cool with it. Sure, let's just let's just put it right in there. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, nothing can possibly go wrong. Everything goes wrong. Exactly. So that that kind of sucks. I kind maybe we'll see this controller appear at some point, but um, yeah, this is. God. We're more likely to see a Burger King themed Xbox uh, Series X controller. I wouldn't be surprised if anything. Uh, what this will lead to is that we'll get um. Like those skins that you could put that people put on controllers, we'll get one of those first before either uh, we get this controller back or we get like a Burger King esque Xbox controller. Yeah, that's most likely. That's that's what I thought this was, but that's this is the whole controller. This isn't like a faceplate or anything. Yeah, uh, I saw a mock up of like a Nintendo website. It was like, well, since Sony isn't allowing. Uh, micro, uh, this, uh, McDonald's in Australia to release like basically these custom uh, PS5 controllers. They can do the 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 hamburger Joy Cons, and they were Joy Cons that were colored like ham, like a like a like a Big Mac or a double quarter pounder. Which I thought, okay, no, I still wouldn't buy that because it's just like this horrible. I don't want to look at my Joy Cons like they're hamburgers. Like no, yeah, right. It's just no. You don't like, want to eat a controller. You want to throw them in frustration. You, okay, here you know a controller, custom controller I would buy that with like certain col- like with certain logos on it from a company. You know which one? Which one? I would buy easily a Taco Bell like nineteen nineties colors inspired. That'd be cool. You know, like those of you who don't know if you've never been doing a Taco Bell in the mid nineties, they used to have like the best version of green and purple ever. And like all the rest now, all the restaurants look like they're trying to be Mexican t- Mexican bars, which is perfectly fine. But like that aesthetic of walking into a to a Taco Bell back into mid in in the nineties, even to the, like there were some for a while around. I think most of them have changed to like the more modern style. But like that color setting, and then on on the back of the controller, it would just say "Live Mas." Or you'll get a Taco Bell, and it has the little Chihuahua. Yes, yes, you'll get a, you'll get a Taco Bell. Yes, I. For those of you who don't speak English, who don't speak Spanish, he's basically just saying, "I want Taco Bell." It just sounds funnier <laughs> in Spanish. You'll get a Taco it Bell. Does. I can't. I can't remember the last time I thought about that advertising campaign. Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on. Unfortunately, we got some serious news to talk about. This is back on the Blizzard uh, Activision stuff again, so I'm going to be heavy again, so I apologize. Um, Blizzard President J. Allen Brack steps down. 
he has stepped down shortly after the wider Activision Blizzard had stirred with a lawsuit alleging widespread discrimination and harassment. The company announced on the Blizzard website, Brack will be replaced by co-leaders Jen O'Neill and Mike Ibarra. O'Neill joined Blizzard in January, having previously headed Vicarious Visions. Ibarra joined Blizzard from Xbox in 2019. As relevant additions to Blizzard's leadership, it may be both that O'Neill and Ibarra are seen as more detached from the reports of long-standing issues in the company's working practices. Brack's departure comes with, admittedly, a, a huge turbulent week from Activ- for Activision Blizzard after a lawsuit led to open letters, an employee walkout, and public outcry over the company's culture. An Activision investor press release said that Brack is leaving the company to pursue new opportunities. First of all, this fucker should never be hired in the games industry at all. Yeah, um, he was pretty much spearheading uh, a company that was pretty much coercing these really shitty things that have been going on in the last few weeks. So that would pretty much tarnish his resume right there. Yeah, like, and, and we haven't talked, we didn't talk about it, but like the, the uh, I think one of the, like the higher ends of Activision deleted her Twitter account um, because like, I, like uh, of like some dumb statements that she was making about like, don't walk out, like basically bullying tactics against uh, the, the employees of Activision Blizzard. Um, like it's a whole shit fest um, from upper management. Like it's, they're amazing. Like they were caught with their their pants down, and they're most of the some of them are still like acting like nothing's happened. Yeah, it's appalling. Uh, this is an update uh, from August third. According to Bloomberg, Human Resources Executive Jesse Meschuk has also left Activision Blizzard. Meschuk is the top HR representative of the company, and their departure coincides with the report by Axios to, uh, detailing the ways in which Activision Blizzard's HR department failed to effectively handle harassment claims. Uh, Brackrow, I am confident that Jen O'Neill and Mikey Barra will provide leadership Blizzard needs to realize its full potential. It will accelerate this pace of change. I anticipate they will do so with passion, enthusiasm, and that they can be trusted to lead with the highest levels of integrity, commitment to the components of our culture that make Blizzard so special. Uh, Brackett also briefly emailed employees at the company calling the reported behavior, including the lawsuit, completely unacceptable and pledged to discuss how to move forward with Blizzard employees. feel angry, sad, and a host of other emotions he wrote at the time, but also feel grateful to work alongside a set of leaders, thousands of employees who joined me in their commitment to continuous improvement. Thank you, Blizzard. Um, Brack himself was mentioned in the lawsuit, having reported only given a slap on the wrist to Executive Director Alex Afarisiab. Despite having received complaints about constant sexual misconduct of the company, the ex-president has also seen a renewed criticism for a video from BlizzCon 2010 that showed Brack and Alphasabi laughing at a fan's question as to whether a new female characters in World of Warcraft might be less sexualized. On a wider note, wider level, this marks yet another high-profile departure following after talent drain left the company at a crossroads. Brack was also appointed Blizzard in 2018 after leading the World of Warcraft team. So, yeah, a lot to unpack there. Um, but like the fact that like that press statement was like we wish him new opportunities like no, this this guy this person does not belong. Like if we really want to fix things, if we really add, if if the games industry really really wants says it's not all just fucking talk. Like most of it unfortunately is. This fucker should never work in games again. Nobody listed in the Activision lawsuit should Activision Blizzard lawsuit should work in games again. Let alone work anywhere. Whether or not, whether they're uh, at all, honestly. Yeah. Anything else to add, Tyler? Uh, not particularly. Okay. Unfortunately, we're going to stick with some heavy news. And I put this in here 
because a lot of people there was a conception around when the whole Activision business started that like oh it only happens at like big companies and stuff like that well unfortunately that's not the case this is courtesy of Polygon and it's about the um, developers behind Gone Home how the founders toxic culture tore apart Fulbright the studio Fulbright the, full, the studio behind Gone Home um, so yeah this is just sort of me sh- sir, sir, I wanted to shine on this Fulbright co-founder Steve Gaynor, known for his work on Gone Home and Tacoma, has stepped down from his role as creative lead on Open Roads following multiple allegations of mistreating Fulbright employees, and particularly women. Development on Open Roads, which was announced in December 2020 and expected to start to star Carrie Russell, The Americans, and Caitlin Denver, Booksmart, is behind schedule. Fifteen employees have left the studio since development on Open Roads began in 2019. Around six staff members remain. Speaking with Polygon, 12 former employees said their departure was at least in part due to Gainer's behavior towards workers, specifically women on the team. At least 10 employees who left since Open Roads production began were, th- were women. Multiple former employees who spoke with Polygon anonymously out of fear of retaliations described the full bright work environment as controlling, a place in which staffers were undermined, demanded by Gainer. Because of Gainer's status as the co-founder of a beloved indie darling, some former employees said that they were worried about being blacklisted from the industry, though some ended up leaving the industry entirely anyway. These former employees said they did not experience or witness sexual harassment or expect successism. Instead, they said that the studio's toxic culture hid the behind the veneer, uh, veneer of inclusivity as women were allegedly repeatedly broken down by microaggressions. Um... And Open Roads put out a, put out a, a, a tweet. Um, uh, a Fulbright representative confirmed to Polygon that Gainer stepped down in March due to pattern of women leaving the company. Steve stepped down in March 2021 after being clear that with the steps that were already taken to improve his interactions with the team were only yielding temporary results. The representative said more drastic action was needed for the health of the team. The representative also said that Annapurna Annapurna Interactive Games Publisher is aware of the situation at Fulbright has been instrumental in helping Open Roads team make changes to its structure. And Annapurna spokesperson told Polygon that the company supports Open Roads. Following the publication of this uh, story, Gainer issued a statement to Polygon. Hi all, I have a statement to share about my role at Fulbright. Earlier this year, I stepped back from my role as creative leader on Open Roads. My leadership style was hurtful to people that I worked on Fulbright, and and for that I fully apologize. Uh, stepping back has given me more space and perspective to see how my role needs to change and how I need to learn and improve as part of a team, including working with an expert management consultant, reading my relationship at the work to work at Fulbright. I care only I care deeply about Open Roads and Fulbright. I'm sad to have stepped back from day-to-day development of Open Roads, but it's been the right thing to do. The Open Road team has my full faith and support as they bring the game to completion. Um, so pretty much this just goes into more detail about it. But I really wanted to bring this up because, like, and the, and the article highlights it that like they were like this is not a big company, and that chances are that sexism and like tearing down people is I hate to say it it's almost like a fucking norm in this industry it seems. Yeah, and it's also pretty common in uh, most other industries too. And uh, seeing all these things uh, being shed in the public eye is sort of a blessing and a curse. Uh, a curse because we know all about this uh, really horrible shit going on, but also a blessing because we can weed out the uh, the troublesome people that are causing the shit in the first place. Theoretically, we can. Um, un- Theoretically, yeah. Yeah, that's the theory, at least. And 
I just want to go show you, like, because I only say this because like, people were like, oh, it wouldn't, it's not, like, my studio doesn't, like, you don't know that. You're not there. And I want to, like, that's, I think it's cool. I think it's fine to think that, like, nothing's going on, but, you know, and, like, it's, I think it's, I don't think it's going to do your mental health thinking that every studio is, like, toxic. But the fact that, like, women were being torn, but, like, as you and I have experienced, Tyler, it, it doesn't take, like, like assault or stuff like that for it to me a toxic work environment it could be poor it could be poor leadership it could be mis you know mismanagement it could be a whole bunch of other things but like the fact that you shouldn't fear retaliation in an industry because you called out a quote unquote beloved indie indie developer for you know rightfully so you shouldn't be blacklisted from an injury industry you probably worked hard to get into because you ch- you just spoke up like I just, I just like that's it's horrible, and like the fact that some one of some of these people that's probably their dream to work in video games, and now because of dealing with this person who I won't even acknowledge by name anymore, because uh, they're just utter utter scumbags, um, like the fact that you have to give it your dream because it puts your your mind or because you were treated a certain way or because your mind was put in a certain spot because of how you were treated in the workplace, that's just fucking awful. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, Alright, so unfortunately, not much more to say on that. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on to the next thing. Just, you know, be aware that something's always coming. Um, but we have news about Xbox and Gamescom, uh, which is coming up at the end of the month. Uh, Xbox, this is courtesy of IGN, Xbox has confirmed that it will hold a Gamescom stream on August 24th, um, and we're going to get a look at new games beginning at 10 a.m. Pacific Center Time, um, or uh, 3, uh, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, or 6 p.m. UK. The showcase sounds as though it will focus on already announced titles and arrives the day before Gamescom officially opens with the opening night live showcase on August 25th. You can tune in to all of Gamescom with us at HM. Yeah. Next Xbox blog post shows yeah. that the... Uh, the, uh, she says the show will include an in-depth updates with some previously announced Xbox titles alongside some of our third-party partners, including some of the incredible titles coming to Xbox this holiday, upcoming releases to our monthly subscription service, Xbox Game Pass, and much, much more. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's, that's you know, the confirmation. Do you think... What do you... I mean, like, I know people are already going to um, set the expectation... Uh, when they're gonna see a new like a uh, new IP, uh, for um, for Xbox at this thing. Yeah, I'd imagine that. Uh, as a joke, I was thinking to myself, they're gonna show nothing but the Guardians of the Galaxy game, aren't they? But no, I'm more expecting like uh, probably stuff for Halo Infinite or probably some other stuff that we saw during uh, the E3 showing earlier uh, in the past couple months. Yeah. You think we'll actually get a release date for Halo Infinite at Gamescom? It's possible. Uh, I'm not fully expecting it, but uh, it is it is possible. But I will hold that with a grain of salt. Yeah, because it is supposed to be um, hol- holiday 2021. We know the multiplayer is free to play, but I'm really curious to see like what... I- I'd, Im- I'd imagine since they showed off a lot of multiplayer stuff at E3. Or not a lot, but they showed multiplayer stuff at E3. We gotta, they gotta have a story trailer. I feel like we're gonna get a story trailer here for Halo Infinite. Yeah, uh, that's probably something that to expect. Maybe, that's probably the biggest thing I'm thinking of. 
Yeah, maybe we'll get like a uh, a newer build. Like maybe a, they'll play through the first level again or something, or play through a mission, and we'll get like hopefully it'll look better than what they showed like two years ago. Um, you know where everybody was making fun of it, and it got delayed, unfortunately. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm I'm really excited. What? And this is because I have Game Pass, and I know you have Game Pass too. I'm really excited to see what they announce is coming to Game Pass. Yeah, uh, nothing's better than free, right? Like, uh, if uh, there's anything interesting coming up on there, then I'll probably give uh, whatever they announce on there a shot. Right, exactly. I mean, like I talked about earlier, the Ascent is on there. I probably wouldn't have played that normally, but because it's on Game Pass, sure, I'll try it. You know, it's perfectly fine. So, uh, I'm, I I don't remember if it was, I think Game Pass, maybe last year, they had like a big showing of, these new games are all coming to Game Pass next year. So, I imagine we're going to get something like that. Um, I think Forza is supposed to, so we'll probably get some news on the Halo, Forza. Those are the only games I know that Xbox exclusive is coming out exclusively for them. So, I guess we'll have to see uh, in the end of the month on what's going to happen with Gamescom. Yeah. All right. Uh, So let's go ahead and talk about this. This is about a uh, Power Rangers AAA open world co-op Arkham Ranger style game. Um, uh, This is courtesy IGN again. Jason Bischoff, the former director of global consumer products at Saban Brands, has revealed a pitch and concept art for Power Rangers game that never was. So this is a canceled project, it seems. A uh, Project Nomad, a AAA open world co-op game that was more or less a Batman Arkham Ranger style game. Uh, Bischoff uh, shared on Twitter, um, The energy team working the history of the Power Rangers franchise through a, lent, through a fresh lens on Bischoff's own words. It was basically Arkham Rangers or Gotham Knights five years before Gotham Knights is a, a example. And there's several um, uh, screen uh, screenshots of it. Um, and it actually... God damn it, why didn't we get this game, Tyler? Yeah, th- this looks super cool. Like, right? It's just concept art, but this looks way cooler than like, uh, in a Power Rangers thing that I've seen so like far. Like, who like who knows right, Like how this ultimately would have looked on, like, this would have been, uh, like, PS4, right? This had to have been PS4. Um, Probably. Like, and PC. Instead, so we like, got that shitty looking uh, Flash Power Rangers game. We got Battle for the Grid, so it's not a, not a bad trade-off, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. One game had to live, I guess, but I'm looking at this first one with the t- with the T Rex and like like it looks like it's combining like elements from the movie where it looks like organic. It looks like it's combining organic with metal, and I think it looks super cool. Yeah, it does, and I do appreciate them uh, bringing Silver Surfer into this and making no, it I, Power I, Ranger. I think that's <laughs> the Silver Ranger from Power Rangers in Space. I think it is. Yeah, it does Based on- look like him. Based on that, and here's the crazy thing: then you get like uh, I like okay. Um, I think uh, Alpha Five. We get some Alpha Five uh, redesigns, or I guess this is Alpha Four. Um, that's weird. This we is got Alpha the 4. Alien Rangers from the third season of Mighty Morphin, or is it the second season? I forget which. It's it's that whole thing is so weird. Um, Alien uh, Alien Rangers. I actually like as a modern update to the Alien Rangers costumes. Like they look really good. Yeah, they look cool. Like. It's definitely more armored for sure, but like it pretty much like yeah, that's that's what the Alien Rangers would look like. And then um, we get modern updates of the uh, Mighty Morphin team from the green, red, yellow, uh, pink, blue, black, and yellow. And I really like these armor pieces. Yeah, they they look good enough to be a collectible action figure on my shelf. 
I kind of wish that these were the outfits we got in the movie. Yeah, right. Because, like, I don't mind the redesigns in the movie, but these feel like good modern interpretations of of the power. Like, re- like, not realistic, but, like, what would you do if Power Rangers was created in, like, the 2010s versus the 1980s when, like, the Japanese stuff was originally started? Uh, this particular Sentai was in uh, 92, and Mighty Morphin uh, was in production the year after. Oh, okay, so it, it's not like an old, old thing. It's 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 just, okay. It just looks old because of the budget. Uh, okay, yeah. For, uh, I always thought it was in the 80s. Okay. Yeah, right? That's good to know. But, like, I like oh, I love the Green Ranger because, like, it's like, the, the colors are a little, like, scanned out, but who knows, that probably could have been adjusted. But, God, that Green Ranger looks so sick. Oh, yeah, like I like they all and they all have like a sharing unified color scheme. So like on their legs, like there's like a black underneath and that pretty much is a follow through line. Ah, oh, so good. Um, and then we get like this okay. screenshot of them fighting this guy. Who's this? I don't know who's this supposed to be. He looks like Piccolo from Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, we get some more close-up shots of the uh, of the red, red, yellow, red. You see a little bit of yellow in the bottom left, blue ranger. But like these are, the, oh, god damn man, this looks so cool. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, and then the final one is possibly my favorite. You get like this nice spl- like, splash image. You see Ninja Rangers, as he said in the original in the no, show. Pop- Rangers, I sound yeah. like them. They do right for some reason. Yeah, and they're all. You see the Yellow Ranger, Goldar's jumping in from the top. I think that's supposed to be the Gold Ranger because that's his power staff. Yeah, it uh, is. That's so like I don't know how to feel about that helmet. Um, and he doesn't look like he doesn't have it. It looks like his shoulder pads are like they don't stick out like like they do like they did, but like they're part of the suit. Um, but it looks more. It depends. It looks on the lighting line is weird. Who's supposed to be that on the top left? The white one. I can't tell who that's supposed to be. I think that's one of the alien rangers. Uh, either that or probably uh, one of the pink rangers from the later Power Ranger series. Yeah, yeah I think I think you're right more on the uh, the alien ranger. But like, and then you have them surrounded by putties, um, which you don't really get a good look on them. But they're, the fact that they basically that basically them saying that the putties would be the villains for this one. Yeah, the, God. Have it any other way? Yeah, gotta have putties. You gotta. They'd be the mooks that that like that you beat up like just running around the overworld. I wonder, like, what plans did they have? Like, would you be able to play as all five? I imagine you'd be able to play as all five original Power Rangers and like maybe online through online all five of your friends could play as one. So you're the green. You know, it's like you're in grade school over again. Okay, you're the Green Ranger. That'd be sick. Uh, exactly. No, I want to be the Green Ranger. No, I want to be the Green Ranger. You can be the Red Ranger. But I don't want to be the Red You know, all those arguments come flaring back at the yeah, beginning. Right. Now you're almost 30 years old and it's sad. <laughs> no! Um, We're not uh, old, you're old. Exactly. Uh, but you're getting... You're, you're, it'll happen to you one day. One day. Um, one day. So yeah, I, God, it makes me. Normally, I don't, I don't care for canceled games, but fuck, there's a timeline where this game exists and it's amazing, and I want to go to that timeline. They probably don't have Shit, COVID. Dude. I want to go to that universe. Yeah, like I said, they probably don't have COVID over there. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's close it off with this last bit of news. 
And this is about the Street Fighter V Summer Update. Um, uh, but let's, before we dive into that, because this is part of the update, <laughs> we have new characters dropping in the Fortnite, and we learned about this through the Summer Update. Both Cammy and Guile are available now in Fortnite, so you can make Cammy do sexy dances in Fortnite. Wait, that's Guile? I thought that was a homeless guy doing a Spencer's cosplay. <laughs> Guile looks so... I the, <laughs> the, the, the week of Guile getting trashed on the internet. Like, this. that's not Guile. That's not... His face looks so weird. Ugh. That and his hair is way too tall. Exactly. Like, it's just... It's so wrong. I will say one cool thing about the Guile thing is if you notice on his pants... He has handcuffs, and you might think, oh, well, that's whatever, he has handcuffs. In Street Fighter 2, the ver- World Warrior, the first version of Street Fighter 2, there was a glitch where Guile could basically trap you near him, and it used to be called Guile's, hand- uh, uh, Guile's Handcuffs, and you could never oh, escape. That's cute. Yeah, so like, that's, that's a fucking deep cut right there. Yeah, I um, never would have gotten that if Max hadn't pointed that out. Yeah, um, so that, that's, that's, I think that's really, really funny. Um, and, uh, I, I just want to see the videos of Cammy doing Fortnite dances. Like, her and Chun-Li doing Fortnite dances, okay? That, I think that's, that's funny. I saw some people, like, getting mad. I'm like, why are they still using Street Fighter 2? They're using Street Fighter 2 because Street Fighter 2 was, like, the most, it's, it's not just like the most, one of those. It's popular the videos. fighting game. Yeah, it was a cultural phenomenon back in the early to mid nineties. Like, like without eh. it, we without it, we probably wouldn't have Killer Instinct or King of Fighters or any of these other fighting game franchises. Right. All right. It's like everybody played Street Fighter Two back in the day. It was like every even if you didn't play video games, you knew what a Hadouken was. You knew who Chun Li was, uh, or were, or is, whatever. So. Yeah, so there you go. You're never going to get rid... They're always going to market Street Fighter 2 first. It's just... it's That's what made money. Okay, so now let's break down this uh, Street Fighter update. This is on the PlayStation blog. Um, we have... They first showed off Oro, and they basically went over his stuff. Uh, his uh, V skill, one is called Anobi, which basically summons a bouncing or projectile that can have three different trajectories. His V skill, two... It's called Minomushi that has that gives him like the short hop jump he had in uh, Street Fighter Three Third Strike. Um, he can follow up attack with Kaki Atoshi, which is an overhead, or Eda Uchi, which is a safer on block kick. Uh, his his V trigger one is called Mankrin Kantan, which gives Orho's access to a command grab called Kishikiri and Kishin Kuchu Jigoku Gurama Ka. That's a mouthful, and can be formed on the ground or in the air, respectively. And no. then uh, his Tengu Stone is his V Trigger Two, which basically he summons uh, objects around him to do damage that wasn't there before. And it's not just rocks this time; it's also uh, random objects. Right. If you hold down while pressing V Trigger Two, Tengu Mid Mid Air Stone will activate. Instead of producing five objects, this makes combos even more powerful, but will drain the the V Cage faster. With his turtle body, turtle body, turtle buddy in tow, Oro is back in SF5 with classic moves as well as some new tricks up his robe. We all hope you all check him out, and he comes out, uh, and we'll talk about the release in a moment. Uh, there's even a match on the PlayStation blog. 
uh, of him, uh, Oro versus Noro. And finally, we have Akira Kazama from Rival Schools. And Oro does not get an original stage. Akira does, and now it's become one of my favorite stages in the entire game. It looks so cool. Like, I never played Rival Schools, but I eventually do want to do that for Tiger Shoes Reviews. And Good luck affording it. makes me excited for it. Good luck I'll affording it. emulate it. Yeah. Um, so it's basically an underpass. Like, you're you're not under, you're by, like, a street under, a uh, bridge underpass. And, like, you're kind of by, like, a typical Japanese river. You can see the banks. Um, uh, her special move, she has Kikokai, which is a short-range blast of energy that comes from her hands. Uh, the EX version has long range. It comes out much faster. Uh, Yureimon is a fast forward moving elbow strike. Uh, elbow allows Akira to close in space and deal good damage and is best used as a combo ender. Her Shin- Shinbu kick has low, medium, high variations to hit all angles. Has a follow up afterwards. Her V skill, V skill 1 is called Kikokai Rensai. It's basically an enhanced version of Kikokai by adding more hits and damage to the attack. Her V skill two is called Sutendat, where air, it, it's basically her launcher. So if you never played Rival Schools or Project Justice back in the day, you could launch characters dumb high, like dumber than Marvel versus Capcom high uh, into the sky. Oh, yeah. and, th- and this is a 3D game doing this, by the way, um, where Kier can launch her opponents into the air following th- up uh, up attacks. These airborne combos are called air bursts. Uh, Akira's V-Trigger 1 is called Otoko no Senka. Akira's brother Daigo drops in from the sky and strikes the opponent, then explodes with a burst of energy. And then uh, he just walks away. Yeah, and you can actually combo off of that um, that second explosion if you time it right, so there's stuff to be had. Um, Akira's, uh, her V-Trigger is called Haten no Kame, uh, which puts Akira in a special stance where she can execute three different follow-up attacks. Each follow-up attack is a unique attribute, and you can cancel the stance and go for a throw instead. Use this V-Trigger to extend your combos or open your opponent with frame traps and mix-ups. And finally, we finally found out who the mystery character for Street Fighter V is. And it's not a KOF character. It's not a Mortal Kombat character. It's not a Soul Calibur character. It's not a Guilty Gear character. It's a brand new Street Fighter character that, according to the devs, plays a big importance to the future of Street Fighter. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Luke. Who? And, yeah. Like, who's this goober? <laughs> yeah, no idea who this is. Luke, it, there was a gameplay demo of, of it where... Uh, he, he does, like, a lot of cool punches. The coolest part of the trailer for me is when he's having a fireball war with, with Ryu. And he does, like, his projectile. But he does something. It's hard to tell what it is. and like, But it just blows up Ryu like nothing. It's crazy. Yeah, his gameplay uh, looks fine enough. But the actual character behind it, uh, kind of iffy on this one. Yeah, the character design's not, not so great. Um, it's... <sighs> It's weird, like, I mean, cool, like, apparently, like, this, like, I think a lot of people are speculating that this guy is gonna be one of the main character, the main character for Street Fighter 6, um, so we'll see how that goes, um, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm glad, I'm just glad it wasn't, like, like, DiCaprio or C. Viper, you know? Yeah, 
I'm, I'm just glad it wasn't Rufus, but... Oh, now that I'm thinking about it, this dude, this dude could probably be a slim version of Rufus. Oh, no. No, nah, it doesn't look... I mean... um, He just looks so weird. Like, I don't like the design at all. Also, he becomes Popeye when he pops V-Trigger, I think. Like, his arms get What's dumb bigger. That? Yeah, it's almost like, as dumb as uh, Guile doing his uh, his uh, critical art in this game. Where he just instantly becomes Buffer when he does it. I will say, gameplay-wise, he looks fun. Yeah, he looks fine. It's just the design around it is... Not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I'll I feel s- like that. I feel like that if he was announced first and they announced Akira for this presentation, it probably would have gone on a lot better. Yeah. Oh my god. Like well, I don't. I don't understand the logic in that. Right. Akira would have been like, "Holy shit! They reference rival schools. Oh my god!" Versus yeah, like the hype would have balanced out. But now, yeah. now that we know that this is the last guy, it's just like what? Like I mean, What's, like okay. what are they thinking? Yeah, it's like, and we, this character's been hidden for so long, it's, again, this, it's weird. But he looks fun. If there, if there's anything, Capcom, Capcom is really good with these DLC characters. Even if you don't like their playstyle, they all look really fun and are interesting to play as versus how the game launched. And I think that's the most important thing, honestly. Yeah, and I feel like out of this season in particular, they've been uh, pretty consistent with uh, how fun their new characters have been so far. Oh, for sure. Um, they breathe new life in these characters. So, again, hopefully Luke has cool alternate costumes because I don't want to play as this MMA guy. Just look, I don't like his haircut. It's just... Yeah. This, but gameplay-wise, he looks pretty dope. I won't lie. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Akira and Oro will be coming out on the 16th of August. And uh, Luke, just Luke, uh, will be coming out in November. Um, it's weird. Uh, uh, it's so weird. That's This is probably the last update we're going to get from Street Fighter V. Because this pass wasn't even supposed to be a thing. It was supposed... This wasn't... This, we weren't supposed... This wasn't supposed to be a thing at all. Yeah, like, uh, the fourth one was supposed to be the last one, right? But, uh... Uh, what... What was the stipulation for uh, this uh, fifth? Co- I think COVID fucked with the development of Street Fighter Six, so they're like, okay, we, we can we can work on DLC for these characters, so we have like people. Okay, to that makes sense. So that's the only reason why we even have this pass. So I mean, I'm grateful. Oro's back. Akira, you know, like it's like another character from like a Capcom fighting game making it into Street Fighter, which is really cool. It's just, God, why, why? All I'm thinking if. Uh... If Akira is uh, received uh, really well in the few weeks that she comes out, there's a possibility that we'll get remastered versions of Rival Schools on modern consoles. Well, let's hope. That's just that's just speculation on my part. Yeah, I want to believe you, Grant. I think there's only like two of them, so you know that I would prefer. We'll we'll see, right? For now, I think I'm happy the fact that she's in the game. Period. Yeah, and she looks sick. Yeah. Especially with her story costume with the biker helmet. Exactly. Alright, that's going to do it for tonight's show. No topic today, guys. We did have a topic in plan, but I really want to do it with Justin's here. So, unfortunately, tonight's show will be definitely way shorter than what, we, than what you normally used to. So, I apologize for that. But we'll be back at full strength next week. Tyler, please plug your stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at HeyIt'sThatTie. Check the pinned tweet to take you to my YouTube channel, the home of Tire Shoes Reviews, where I reviewed old-ass fighting games. 
All right, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Marvelous Iggy, where I stream three times a week at Twitch. Oh, twitter.com slash Marvelous Iggy, and you can follow, you can watch me play games at twitch.tv slash Iggy2814. I stream four times a week, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, check on my Twitter when I go live. I usually go live at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and 7 for Thursday. Um, look for all that, and of course, check out charter.com. Uh, the podcast, the host of this website, the host of this podcast. Um, go to for all things part of the Shot Network, where you can find Atomic Shot, Atomic Shark, Cinema Shot, Cinema Shot, I was going to say Cinema Shark. Um, no, we're not doing Cinema Shark. We're not doing it. Um, I wasn't going to suggest anything. Uh, Cinema Shot, this very podcast you're listening to, uh, and, and uh, Voice of the Vanguard, as well as a whole bunch of other things. Thank you all for listening for this episode. Again, apologies for the shortness and the non-live aspect. Well, we should be back next week. Uh, but until next time, I'm the Marvelous Siggy, and this is Charge Shot. Thank you, and remember, stay charged. Have a good night, everybody. Sure you can. <laughs>